I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi everyone, I'm so excited for this week's amazing guest on this week's episode of Beauty Bosses. We have one of my favorite journalists, former editor-in-chief of Pop Sugar, journalist and boss babe all around, Sade Strolke. Did I get it right? Yes. Okay, did. okay. <laughs> we did a little pronunciation session. Everybody but needs help. Nobody ever gets that name. Most I know. people don't even attempt it. I feel like I get that a lot, but my name is phonetic, and yours is actually too. Strolke is not It's the unphonetic. H and the L. It like messes people up. It's my husband's last name, so no one ever gets it. It's a Prussian name, which is oh. just a really German name, but um, here we are. And I my know. first name, Sade, named after the singer from the 80s. But I knew that one a lot because, of, people I, don't because know of her. A lot of people don't know it. So oh, really? I get Sadie, I get Sade, I get you're missing an H, and like, why do you spell it like that? I'm like, it's oh, just how you spell the name. Wait, I feel like we're <laughs> generationally in sync because I was like, oh, Sade, I know that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, if you are listening to this, you probably love all things beauty, and if you love all things beauty, you're probably already a fan of Pop Sugar, and you've also been at Shape and Teen Vogue, Time Magazine, Refinery29, kind of a lot of leading fashion and lifestyle and beauty publications, so you've um, been through it all. And Sade is also an established editorial and marketing leader with a proven track record of success. <laughs> so I'm honored to have you here on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Dr. Devgan. I've been such a big fan of yours for the last three years. Ever since I discovered your products, I feel like every time I have a baby, I'm like scrambling for everything that you make. And I'm just so honored to be here. You're also a boss babe with six kids. Everyone always asks me, how can you do it with three? And I was like, I know a really successful plastic <laughs> surgeon with six. <laughs> um, yeah, but I feel like after one, you sort of... No, for me, it was after two. After two, really? Like for me, the hardest one, the hardest transition was zero to one. What was your hardest transition two to was three. two to three? Two to three. That's the one that pushed us all over the edge. Really? Yeah. I feel like from zero to one, I was like, okay, I can no longer go to the gym when I want to. <laughs> I have to figure out who's going to take care of that other person. Right, right. Well, my mom helps out a lot. My parents help out a lot. And then zero to one for me was like the wonder of it all, right? It was like, here's this like whole person that I created. Um, and it was a boy. And then number two was a girl. So I was like, again, like the wonder. I have a daughter finally because I come from a long line of women. And I mean, like, we all do, but I mean, like, we're like a matriarchal oh, family. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to make any sense. If you know me, everyone knows, like, it's me and my mom, my grandma. Um, and then, like, the third one, obviously, we love Sloan. She just turned one. Um, but that was like a shock. It was a little like, oh, we're pregnant again. And then that was the one that sort of like pushed everything over financially, yes. emotionally, everything. Mentally. Mentally. Yeah. Yeah. But you still fit in a standard car. I feel like once you're not in yeah. a regular vehicle we do but we do have we have the volkswagen um atlas and it's actually really spacious you can put two more adults in the back they might yeah. not be that comfortable but they can fully fit if it's five car seats but i mean if we had like a standard car that's it there's no guests there's no you know you can't take a parent anywhere like <laughs> listen <laughs> i know it. all about it all right well 
Sade, I have so many questions okay. for you. Let's jump in. I love beauty. I've been a beauty addict since I was a very young. How girl. does one build such an illustrious career? Can you talk us through your journey of how you worked your way up Absolutely. from being a little one who loved beauty to being who you are now? Absolutely. Um, I was only child. Parents are divorced, so I spent a lot of time just dreaming and playing with makeup and going to like all like the department stores in New York City where I'm from and like playing at the beauty counters like they all knew me like Saks and Bloomingdale's and Bergdorf's um and when I went to college I was actually a theater major so that too was all about like dress up and you know pretend and really telling stories and after college I went to USC I was a theater major there and then I started a fashion blog because that's you know sort of like my other passion I didn't want to be an actress anymore and after a while, I went to Columbia's Graduate School of Journalism. I did a short program with the New York Times, and then I had an internship at the Wall Street Journal, which quickly turned into a full-time job. Um, I did a project that nobody else wanted to do, and there was an opening, and they offered me a spot. Wait, what was the project? They were doing, it was like the 125th anniversary of the journal, and the mag. I looked at the magazines, like the fashion, beauty, luxury. They wanted, like one product like a like a collection of products for each year for 125 years so they want it like to like edit it down 10 fashion items 10 beauty items 10 design items like you know like when this item was invented or when this thing happened in the world that like just fit into like the ethos of the magazine i mean it was like a list of like thousands of things and oh that's a good project it was a good project right it was it was actually a lot of fun and it was all like luxury and fashion and that's such a good project um and i did it i did it really fast and within like a little less over a week um, they were like so impressed. It never went to print though because when the art department got it, they were like, "We don't want to do this because it's such a big project to do." Yeah. Um, but they were very impressed because they offered me a job the next day. Oh my god. Yeah. Wait, I feel like this is so awesome. You know, I did a very similar thing when really? I was in medical school uh-huh. at Johns Hopkins. There was something called Project Impact, and okay. the goal of this project was to elucidate and characterize the most important randomized controlled trials that have ever been done in medicine. <laughs> that sounds harder. I know, but like it's the same idea, yeah. right? Like there are a zillion randomized controlled trials of right. like, you know, all of the medicine, all of the beta blockers ever, right. which one is the best? Or like all 1 million people who've ever um, taken an ACE inhibitor and like who, <laughs> who lived and like right. do, do hormones really cause breast cancer and you know like every randomized control trial and what's important and no you sort of have to go through the literature and look at the impact factors of everything and figure out yeah my task was what are the no but it's sort of like the same but it's the same idea and I feel like wait I'm getting to a point here but like the point is like to sort of take a step back Uh and look at what is really important in your field and also to be a little person and to take on a sort of unglamorous task that's important. Yeah. I feel like that helped me a lot. It helped, I mean, And obviously it it helped you you if you got offered a job the next day. Career, you know, like shot up after that. I always tell people, always raise your hand for the hardest assignments. It's something that I did in grad school. It's something I, you know, I worked in restaurants and retail during college and high school. Always raise your hand for the hardest assignment because you're going to get the attention of your bosses and you're going to ascend very quickly. Oh, I love that. 
I did that too. And I can tell you did that too. (laughs) Oh my God. Wait, is this why we're so simpatico? Because like, I've always like, I left you right away when we connected over social. I feel like we know each other. Yes, I feel like I totally know you. I know. And I I like did the exact same homework assignment. And I also got like plucked up through the ranks in medical school also and got this sort of coveted. Because they notice you right away. You're known as being gutsy and like having that grit and just like, going for it and, and it's you okay stick it out. if you fail yeah. or you don't like get it right like also usually when you raise your hand for those hard assignments like mentors will appear out of nowhere and like champion you and help yeah. oh my god that's so cool okay so anyone listening to this <laughs> if you are a young person yes. trying to succeed in any field any field and we do totally different things totally different surgery things. and like right journalism yeah raise your hand for the hard assignments and yeah. find some mentors and don't be shy to go after them and know that it's okay if you fail. If you fail, just get back up and try again. That's what I always tell young people. Yeah. Um, because that I feel like it's that fear that keeps people back, right? Yeah. From like reaching their dreams. Like it doesn't matter what career field you're in, where you live, who you are, but it's like that fear of, oh, I can't do that. Like you can do anything. Like you can literally yeah. do anything. Just raise your hand and go for it. Yeah. And maybe also make an encyclopedic characterization of like <laughs> a lot of important, yeah. the, the biggest 100 things in your field. And also raise your hand for the unglamorous. You know, I always, another piece of advice is like, I'm never too good to sweep the floor. Yes. And I'm sure you clean up your own office. Totally. Every day I pick up mint wrappers off You're of the floor. You're never too good to like sweep the floor. And if you have that mentality and you just hard worker like you know fortune favors the fit the the brave or the bold fortune favors the bold and then luck is when preparation and like good fortune mix totally anytime the cleaning person is out sick i personally personally still empty the trash cans in this office like i still am not too proud to do that and like as long as i'm able i will always be able to do that yeah so I feel like that's, that's that, like that level of humility is important no matter who you are. Right. And actually I was reading something so interesting that in Japan, part of the mandatory curriculum of Japanese, um, and somebody fact check me, I'm probably going to get like <laughs> fact checked like freaking crazy for this, but I, I promise I read an article. So don't kill me if this was clickbait and a lie, but I swear I read an article saying that in Japan, at least in one school that exists, <laughs> do you like how I'm disclaiming? Yes. It's like crazy. I like feel You're like, like, actually I didn't. I feel myself okay. being canceled well, now right I'm now. I'm super curious. Okay. Okay. Tori, just edit this if needed. <laughs> I read an article that said that in the school, it was part of the mandatory curriculum um, to have elementary school students um, do their own cleaning. Like there's no janitorial staff for the school. There's, there's literally no cleaners for the school. They clean their own toilets. They clean their own classroom. The teacher's responsible for his or her own workstation. The yeah. students do their own stuff. Like the, from the toilets to the chalkboard to the waste paper basket. It makes everything. Sense. And they're just sort of a fully contained 
ecosystem, the lunchroom, the everything. It makes total sense. And one of the things I have a six-year-old son, and you know, he's, he's a boy, he just turned six, he's always getting in trouble and not listening. But one of the things they told us when he was slow to speak at three, and then also recently in kindergarten, was give him small like tasks. Like, can you put the plates in the dishwasher? Can you hand, could you put the forks on the table for dinner time? And they were like, those small tasks will help his attention span and really make him feel um, like good about himself and confident and like help build up his confidence. So like, that makes total perfect sense because again, like you have to know, you have to know how to clean. You know, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of myself, my kids, like there's a lot of privilege, right? And that's fine. That's totally fine. But at the same time, you have to know how to exist without, you know, the help that I remind my kids, I give to you. <laughs> I don't have to give to you. <laughs> it's funny. How has having children changed your mindset about work and kind of your place in all of this? You know, it's funny because I, it hasn't, you know, I had child after child for the last five years and I was just like, I'm going to keep going. Like I was determined to get to the editor in chief role. I was determined to just keep rising the ranks and, you know, I'd have the child, it was like a joke, like I'd pop out the child and I'd be back at work the next day. And like, that was just sort of my MO. You know, and I think like with two kids, it was fine. But I think with the third one, it was that's like when they like like it was there were too many children all of a sudden, right? But I think that I yeah, there's a lot of like mom influencers and social media, and I think it's really hard, easy to get like sucked into that, and you know, a lot of talk about mom guilt and stuff. And I just remember someone told me like, just remember your kids won the lottery when they were born to you, like. You feed them, you clothe them, you put shelter over their head. Like there's no, I was never ever going to feel guilty for going to work and providing for my children, you know? So for me, it was like, okay, I'm having these kids, but I'm not going to stop living my life or achieving my dreams. Like I will set them up for the best success and then they have to go live their lives. And you know, this is mine. I always put myself first and I do that because if mommy is not happy, no one's happy. Yeah. I, th- I feel like you're totally right. And a lot of people don't that. want to admit that. It's always kids first. But um, for me, that's that hasn't been my motto. And I think that's really helped me personally succeed. I will say after the third one, it was like all of a sudden like too many kids and things actually started to get overwhelming. But even then, it was like, you know, I had a new job. I was newly, you know, editor-in-chief. Um, and I split my maternity leave. I took six weeks up front. And then I had another 16 weeks which I started in December. And I just, you know, I was like, I took on this job. Um, we're having a child, another child, and, you know, I'm going to do them both to the best of my ability. And I, I definitely, you know, stumbled with both, but, you know, I, I did the best I could. Yeah. What are your thoughts um, now, speaking of the emergence of mommy influencers? <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on the future of social media influencers and how the influencer economy, and not just economy, but like how influencer culture is changing and yeah. how it's shaping all of us and the decisions that we're making 
right? You know, this question, I used to do the same question like 10 years ago, but about bloggers. Like, how do you think like bloggers are gonna like shape stuff? And then everyone just sort of moved on to social media and some people just naturally like dropped off, even big ones, and some kept going. And I think with influencers, it's the same thing. They're like the new celebrities and celebrities have been around in one way, shape, form or another, you know, for centuries and it's gonna continue. And I think new ones are gonna pop up. I think, you know, how they make money is going to change. You know, 50 years ago, um, an actor was basically just an actor. They didn't have like endorsement deals and whatnot, and now almost all of them do. You know, so I think how they make money will probably continue to evolve. I think who's popular will continue to evolve, just like any other ecosystem. Um, but they're there to stay, you know, and I think, but I also think that audiences are becoming a little less like, Ooh, like look at this person's life because I feel like everyone now knows like social media can be this like sort of like fake like smoke and mirrors and mm -hmm. they've also watched you know their favorite influencers like a lot of mom influencers like go through divorces like real life happens to everyone right that's why you have yeah. to know how to sweep the floor because you never know where you're gonna end up totally. you know um so I have no problem with influencers I think it's just another job that has popped up as a result of the internet just like so many other jobs yeah. have popped up, web developers, whatever. And yeah, I think it's just how you want to interact with them. I think the danger with influencers comes in when people, and obviously, especially young people like teenagers, when you start really comparing yourself to them in a way that you wouldn't like your friends in real life, or you're, you know, obsessed, you're becoming obsessed, or you're just scrolling all the time. I think that's when it has you know the potential to become dangerous to your mental health but other than that you know just enjoy it for what it is which is entertainment yeah yeah i think that w the way we think about what good content is and bad content i think that's changing yeah right i think that aspirational luxury stuff is maybe more boring for people now because yeah, we've now we've been oversaturated with it yeah we've seen too much yeah too much uh beautiful stuff to envy and now we're just like okay <laughs> i think that i know and that, i think that's why people are liking tiktok more it's right. like okay we want to see more un unhinged people just right. saying <laughs> saying random stuff that everybody is thinking about oh, yeah. are you a tiktok fan <laughs> i am not i wouldn't say i'm a fan but i think it's much easier to get sucked into it because oh, it's my gosh. more it is so addictive i, I think I... it's more raw and it i is. think it's a little bit more I don't Who knew know. People were so funny. People are funny. People I mean, are I guess so I. Funny. I guess I am a fan. I don't know. I don't self-identify that way, but you can definitely spend some time there. So hours, I guess I. Hours. If you let yourself. It's, it go feels ego dystonic for me, but I like it. So I guess I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah. I'm a fan. I mean, it's just so entertaining. It's like yeah. these little clips. I was talking to someone about like how to get an audience attention, and I was like, it's very quick very quick and they were like why and I'm like because everyone's attention span has been warped it's like you know even it's a minute it's you know we're talking about the length of YouTube videos like they have to be short because people don't want to sit through an hour unless they really really know the person right and they're really really invested and that takes time right and as we know the algorithms feed up you know shorter videos or the more short videos you have the more likely people will watch more than a few and then the algorithm will serve you up more yeah. um and it's just our attention spans are just different than they were 20 years ago 10 years ago even five years ago you know um i don't know if that's a good or a bad thing but it is a thing yeah there's a sort of wildness 
an, an un, untamedness <laughs> to TikTok that is both enjoyable and also reckless. Yes. That, that it's, uh, you know, I you haven't... You just, you know, thumb through it. And, like, before, you know, the videos, you're just getting into it, then the video's over, but then the next video's up right away, right? Yeah. And then you're just, like, watching that. And that's why I feel like I can just get sucked in for I think the first couple months I was on it, I rapidly grew to 50,000 followers. Yeah. And then I I think I have been a spotty creator since then. I haven't really... I'm just I don't a post much. I'm not a creator on TikTok. Yeah, I'm just a lurker. I don't post that much. But I, I haven't totally figured out... My Instagram content doesn't exactly translate to TikTok. Mm-hmm. When I post my beautiful yes. outcomes on TikTok, <laughs> they're met with a great degree of skepticism, which I find to really? be both complimentary and confusing at the same time. I feel like they would time. love like, short clips of just the gore in the side of the OR. They, you know what? The gore gets flagged for violence. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I don't know. Let me think about it. All my procedural videos, <laughs> even the, the site of injections. Really? So it's very confusing. I don't really know what to... Even my non-surgical rhinoplasties, which really? I don't even think are gory, they get they get covered up. Oh, thanks! But they get covered up, so I just haven't really found my exact uh, way to be. Well, you're killing it on Instagram, so. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm kind of trying to. I like I like TikTok, but yeah. I'm trying to figure it out a little. Okay. But um, what do you think the future is of digital media? Do you think print media is just over? Or do you think it's still a oh, niche thing? I think print media has been over for a long time. I know. And it's sad though, right? It is sad. It's really sad. And I think the the print publications that are still around have sort of, they're either extremely unique, right? Not extremely unique, but they're like niche. So like Architectural Digest, which uh, my old boss Amy Astley leads and is like, gorgeous and she's be able to it's almost like a coffee table book so you need every issue is like you know and it's like you almost want to keep them you do i do keep them i keep them all because and she has like the best celebs on her covers and and open door tours and everything or like wired or um what else and there's like vogue which obviously is like helmed by this like legend and i went to her you know so i think that for the things that are still print it's something sort of unique about them but i think like Digital is everything, you know, because how many people actually read print nowadays, you know? And I think what's really going to change the industry next is AI, and nobody knows how, right? So is it going to take up jobs? Is it going to, you know, revamp search? And I think sort of like that's the next thing that the industry is like starting to scramble with. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Have you been using AI in <laughs> journalism or is um, that is that how do you not yet is AI plagiarism no well that's the thing nobody knows right so there are cases of if my kids are listening it's plagiarism it's, well I think schools are trying to <laughs> yeah. figure that out I know but, but it is people right turn yeah. in, people are turning in papers using like chat GPT and all these other things and some parts of it are okay and some parts are not okay and then I had a friend whose son was called out on it and they didn't really know what the punishment should be because it wasn't exactly plagiarism but they also didn't write it 
which I guess is like sort of like the definition of plagiarism. Well, no, because you can self-plagiarize. You're not allowed to like reuse something that you've published before in another article. I don't know. That's a great. That's one for you know the school stay answer. The other thing is you can have a uh, you can have ChatGPT outline an essay for you, mm-hmm. and then it's not plagiarized, but you really didn't do the intellectual work for it, right? You I can think... have them come up with the plot of. Oh, a yeah. story, and then you write the story, but you didn't think of the story. Yeah, and it's very every day there's like a new AI app to do like this or that. So I think that we don't, nor that I know of, uses it yet, but it's obviously coming and people are testing it. And I think that as the industry continues to, you know, to find its footing financially, they probably will start, you know, experimenting with it. I think the biggest, the bigger threat, not so much are they writing articles, but digital media is all built upon SEO, right? And AI is going to change that. How exactly, we don't know yet. Um, So that I think is a bigger question that they're going to have to grapple with and also figure out. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. Do you... So I should have been a surgeon, basically. Long story short, I should have been a surgeon. Listen, there's robotic <laughs> surgery, too. There's, ro- there's robotic This is what I tell people when they start freaking out about AI. I always go back to the window washers in New York City. So if you live in New York City, you see people still up on very tall buildings, on scaffolding, washing windows with their hands. And the reason is window washing with their hands. And the reason is because um, robots or whatever can't clean a window as well as a human. And I believe in that. I believe that machines just cannot get it as good as humans can and i think there's going to be like kind of like this gold rush towards ai and then we're going to see a cutback in certain industries in certain places within various industries because i personally believe in the power of humans doesn't mean that ai isn't going to revolutionize how we do things i think that's going to happen too but i i have to see it before i'm like humans are just replaced yeah and I think that you need oversight, right? Yes. I think that machines are built to assist humans, mm-hmm. and the even the best chat GPT robot is going to need some oversight. You yeah. need somebody who's going to be running the device. Yes. Even with robotic surgery, you need a surgeon in the room. What the what the robot is doing is helping you with three dimensional dimensional visualization. Yeah. You still need a surgeon's hands looking at the video and right. guiding the scope. It's like the self-driving cars. Like they're very yeah. good at driving themselves, but they can't react to other drivers on the road as well as humans can. Yeah. Right. So I think that's, you know, we'll have to see where it goes. It's definitely gonna revel- change stuff. It's changing yeah. stuff every day already. But I think that people like to overplay or they like to sensationalize like how fast like humans are going to be replaced, and I, I'm not sure that's actually going to happen. And maybe we'll adapt, right? I mean, we I mean, we'll adapt. We like, figured we out, to the you internet. know, when dishwashers started washing dishes right? for us, <laughs> it's not like people were crying. They figured right, out right. other tasks to do. You know, exactly. the recipes in the kitchen got much more elaborate. <laughs> you, know? you know what I mean? Like things yeah. like people adapt. And know? and I think that it um, it allows us to create. A, a, a higher echelon of skills yeah. you know it allows us to kind of level up yeah well um <laughs> on that note what's uh what, what's something exciting that you're looking forward to this summer and beyond 
Um, I guess just the weather finally heating up for more than two days in a row on the East Coast. I don't know what's going on with the weather. Um, my son finished kindergarten kindergarten last week, so I'm really excited just to, you know, spend some more time with him. He's in a bunch of, like, half-day camps, so that'll be fun. Um, and then I'm excited about the next chapter of my career. I'm not quite sure what it'll hold yet, but I'm excited to just have a moment to breathe. It was a long time of just climbing that corporate ladder, um, just like a sprint for the last decade, and I finally have a moment to like breathe. And I'm really excited and grateful for that. Well, I'm so excited to <laughs> get to chat with you. And Absolutely. where can everyone keep in touch with you and find you? Probably Instagram, Shade underscore style. Um, yeah, that's, that's where I keep like all my updates. Well, thank you so much. This has been so fun. Thank you.